I've always said as a, a preacher, you, I would love to be a singer where um, if you were Simon and Garfunkel, for instance, or Paul Simon, um, and you had something to do, you could get up and you could say, which one do you want to hear? And somebody would shout, bridge over troubled water. You would sing bridge over troubled water. You would sit down and your deed would be done. The preacher doesn't have that privilege because he can't say on a Sunday morning any favorites. And maybe if he did, he would get a shock because there might not be any in the congregation. And after five years, he might go home um, with his tail between his legs. But this week, I have got the opportunity to do a favorite because um, it's Four Corners Week. It's been pretty mad. And uh, the opportunity to um, read anything, never mind prepare a sermon, has been slim. And last Sunday night, as part of the Four Corners Festival, um, I was speaking about imagination in St. Malachy's. And a couple of people after said, you need to do that in Fitzroy some week. No better week than now. Now, let me take you into that by saying that if you think Sophie and Rachel's children's talk... And this sermon and that reading from Francis was planned. And are we not brilliant at putting it all together? Yet again in Fitzroy, something way beyond us has made this service pretty seamless, as we will come to. As always, last Sunday night, as I was planning to talk about imagination, as you're aware now in Fitzroy, if you come along, that there's something that happens the night before, either in Facebook or Twitter or television, that just encapsulates what I'm trying to say. So Saturday, a week ago, Janice and I are watching a pretty inoffensive, for Morgan Freeman, a pretty unadventurous movie called Once More or The Island of Belle Isle or something like that. And just enjoying a Saturday evening watching television when suddenly in the middle of this movie, Morgan Freeman's character, Monty Wildhorn, says, and it's quoted again later on in the movie, think about it, I'm speaking about imagination the next night. Morgan Freeman looks up and says to this little girl, imagination, he has my attention. Imagination, the most powerful force ever made available To humankind. Imagination. The most powerful force. Ever made available. To humankind. Last Sunday night. Was amazing. Because I have this story. That I have used for 20 years almost. And last week's location. In St. Malachy's church. Was the perfect place. To tell it. About, well, it was 1996, and we'd had um, ceasefire for two years, and then Canary Wharf went up. Janice was doing some study at the People's College at the time, and the People's College, the Ulster People's College in Adelaide Park, had decided to call in a few community leaders to do some discussion about that. I think that was the context of which this story is told in. We were gathered around and one youth worker involved in reconciliation work shared a story. He told us how, as everybody on the falls and the shankle does, he was taking Protestant kids to the Catholic Church and Catholic kids to the Protestant Church to give them a little bit of information about who each other was, trying to bring them together, all this stuff. So they'd been to the falls and they were now in the shankle. And a 15-year-old boy... If you know the way 15-year-old boys are, it's a bit like this. Walked in, as a 15-year-old boy did, to the Catholic Church and kept his head down for the first five minutes of the talk. 
And then he looked up in this Presbyterian church and went, You've been robbed! Who took all the stuff? My brother will know who did it and he'll get it back for you. You've been robbed. As I walked away from that story that had nothing to do with theology, I suddenly realized how powerfully prophetic that 15-year-old boy was. Because we, Protestants, were robbed of something. Not by others. We robbed ourselves. Now, I've written about this, and I'm not going to go into all the different things that I've written about it. I'm going to come back to one of them that starts at the Reformation, but probably the Enlightenment, wordiness, scientific ideas, maybe, was something that robbed us of the arts. The Puritans, for sure. Rookmacker would say that Calvinism and the Puritans certainly took away any uh, artistic, um, not understanding, but certainly took away um, the emphasis of art within church life. But I want to go back to that moment of the Reformation where we threw out all of those things that Catholics were supposedly worshipping. Of course, the Reformers would go to Exodus chapter 20. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow to them or worship them. So the good reformers would have said, no graven images. Let's make church like barns. Dull, unimaginative, nothing we can worship. It's an interesting theory and I'm not going to go into some of the ways that idols or statues were being misused within the Catholic Church at the time of the Reformation. But there's something that then happens 11 chapters on that kind of throws the idea that we should have naked, bare church buildings. The first person in the entire Bible who, they say, is filled with the Holy Spirit was not a great preacher. He was an artist, Bazalel. And he was filled by the Holy Spirit, by God, to do what? To have skill and ability and knowledge of all kinds of crafts in order to decorate the holy place of worship. So what we need to conclude from that is that 11 chapters after the commandment, whatever it meant to not have graven images did not mean that we would worship in barns that were dull and without art. It seems to me that even as you walk into a place of worship, you should be able to, before the welcome at the front or the introduction to worship or call to worship, that something of the building should tell you about the God that you've come into the presence of. You understand we're always in, and I'm not going to go into that. You understand something of what it is to be in the place of the people of God and worship, which Bazalel was called to do. You see, at the other end of the cosmos and time and history, we had what Francis read to us. We had a God who had to imagine. I thought Sophie and Rachel did that wonderfully this morning. I have to say that 
most of what Sophie makes or bakes is pretty spectacular and I would like to eat. But when I looked down beside her today at that Play-Doh, I thought, I can't really say to her, this doesn't look as enticing as the stuff you usually make, Sophie. But that children's talk where we asked the children to imagine, I was sitting there going, are you for real? Is this what you're doing in the morning? I'm doing imagination. How did this come about? But what you had to do or what the kids had to do before the 30 seconds they had to create was to imagine. Blue. Green. Golden. Vegetation growing as trees beside water that's blue and a little gold band in between of soft sand that you can get between your feet and you can walk romantically down and fall in love. God imagined green. God imagined blue. God imagined sand and its texture. God imagined rocks and mountains. God imagined grass. God imagined all of these things and then they came in to play. Imagination, creativity and art begin with God. It's a recurring theme throughout the entire scriptures. As Stephen was telling us in that series we did that we keep going back to about how to read your Bible. When we came to the law, the law was in an imaginative way for the people of God to be radically different in the way that they thought and lived from all the other nations around about. The law was an imaginative way to live. The prophets continued to bring the people back to that other way of thinking, that alternative thinking, that other imagining. Isaiah imagined a lion and a lamb lying down together. Micah imagined swords turned into plowshares. Ezekiel imagined a new shepherd king who would do justice. They were constantly imagining not how it was but how it could be. It's a central driving force to the entire scriptures. As Morgan Freeman said through Monty Wildhorn, imagination, the most powerful force ever made available to humankind, was made available to humankind, I'm taking over from Monty Wildhorn here, by the God who wants us to be imaginative. Walter Brueggemann, whose books, Hopeful Imagination, Prophetic Imagination, has probably written more theologically about this than maybe any other professor or writer over the last number of decades, says this about Isaiah. The practice of such poetic imagination is the most subversive, redemptive act that a leader of a faith community can undertake in the midst of exiles. Listen to this. Brueggemann on Isaiah. This work of poetic alternative in the long run, is more crucial than one-to-one pastoral care or the careful implementation of institutional goals. That is because the work of poetic imagination holds the potential of unleashing a community of power and action that finally will not be contained by the imperial restrictions and definitions of reality. The most important thing, Brueggemann says, about any faith community is that we would have a subversive imagination that would take us out of the restrictions of how we are into what God would call us to be. But Brueggemann doesn't talk only about the Old Testament. He says about Jesus. Jesus' way of teaching through parables 
was such a pastoral act of prophetic imagination in which he invited his community of listeners out beyond the visible realities of the Roman law and the laws in which Jewish law had grown restrictive in his time. Jesus was imaginative. Imagine a world where the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Imagine a world where you would turn the other cheek and love your enemies. Imagine a world where the poor are blessed and the meek shall inherit the kingdom. Imagine a world where we go to the least of all of these and find Jesus as we feed the hungry. The Bible, as I've said to you many times in Fitzroy, is a battle between the powers that be and the power of God. Pharaoh, Herod, Caesar. All of the writers of scriptures are trying to get us to imagine what it would be like if we lived alternatively from the powers of the world around us. Brian Walsh and Sylvia Kiesmatt in that book that we looked at Colossians Remix suggests that when a people harbor dreams of a social reality alternative to the empire, they are a threat to the empire. So what, therefore, do we need to imagine in our world today? What are the powers around us that constrict us and contain us the way the Roman Empire and the Jewish law was containing and restricting the people that Jesus was subversively imaginative in the midst of? Well, last Sunday night, I spoke specifically into the Four Corners scenario. Peace walls that we looked at on Monday night. Peace walls are those things that contain and restrict. And can I say that on the night of imagining a world without, or Belfast without peace walls, that the most prophetic words that were spoken that night were from somebody who lived under the peace walls, didn't want the peace walls to come down for their own security, and then said this. I live under peace walls that we've been told will come down by 2023. That's the dream. But half a mile away, they are building gated communities for the wealthy to live in behind their peace walls. Explain that to me, she said. Why are the peace walls grotesque and ugly and our gated communities seen as for our own good and safety? Imagine a world without any of those. We live in the apartheid corners of our city. How many of us have been to West Belfast? Please don't go to the Sainsbury's. We love going up there because we don't see any of you while we're shopping and then we can shop without having a lot of conversations with you as we do it. But anyway, it's also the best Sainsbury's in Ireland. But don't tell too many people if you can keep it from them. Have we been to Colin Glen Park recently for a walk with our dog. Have we been up to those parts of the city? No, because the powers within our city have us divided in apartheid. The same old entrenched stories coming out of Stormont, and in a few months' time, we will vote for the same people that we will complain about for the next five years because we really don't want them in there, but we haven't the imagination to vote any other way than we've done for generations. We need to reimagine We need a biblical, Christ-like imagination that will change the way it is into how it can be. But let's not stop with four corners. Or let's move on into four corners 
As I said, on Monday night we were imagining a city without walls. On Tuesday night, right here, in the front of Fitzroy, we had the Mayor uh, Nicola Mallon and the last two mayors, Gavin Robinson and Marcina Muller. And they all gave us a challenge. Gavin Robinson said, we need to start living the faith outside of our walls. We need to stop thinking that it's all right to just be church within the walls. We need to get out of the walls onto the streets. Nicola Mallon suggested that we needed to get confident about our faith the way she had learned to become confident about her faith in her year as mayor. And Marcin challenged us to be those who would take in the Syrian refugees that will come into Ireland over the next while. The countries of the world have decided how many Syrian refugees they're going to let within their borders. Most of the United Kingdom have said zero, but Northern Ireland from the First Minister and the Deputy First Minister have said that we will take 100 to 200 Syrian refugees into Northern Ireland. And Marcin sat there and he said the faith communities are those who need to imagine what that's going to be like for those refugees. What are we going to do to welcome them in? What are we going to do to help them with their English? What are we going to do to help them to come into a new culture and find a place of belonging? We need to imagine what it is to be the people of God into such challenges. On Wednesday night, we imagined a world without trafficking. On Tuesday lunchtime, Philip Orr gave an incredible talk at City Hall where the NGOs were given uh, awards for their unsung heroes. And what Philip was telling us that in 1796 and into the 18th and 19th centuries, Belfast was the city who was thinking about fair trade. You weren't allowed, he was telling us, some trebecks at Presbyterian events because they were made with the sugar from the plantations. That was the original fair trade. There were some who stopped um, one organization trying to be that which would bring the slave ships into Belfast. But 200 years later, on Wednesday night, we found that there's more slaves in our world today and many in Belfast that we still haven't dealt with. Imagine a world without human trafficking. And then yesterday at Strand Arts, and you're going to watch this, I think, over the course of the next while in Fitzroy, a movie made by Northern Ireland couple amongst the Amish community of Pennsylvania where they teach their children from the moment they're born to be people who forgive. So that when those five young girls were shot dead in that schoolhouse about eight years ago, that within six hours the Amish community had gone to the murderer's wife and parents to tell them that they forgave them. And that now the mother of the murderer goes every Thursday night into the home of the girl most damaged mentally by that shooting to read her stories, to pray with her, and to help put her to bed. Forgiveness. And in the midst of that event, we were being told by the questions that were being asked that the churches in Northern Ireland were those who were debating and theologizing forgiveness, whereas the Amish community just obeyed Jesus And made it a part of their lives. We need to imagine what it is. To forgive. And to show. Grace. Imagining Belfast different. But let's bring it home. You can see the things that are happening around our building. As we walk past to get into church. 
In a few months' time, we are hoping that we will have new halls around about us. We need to start, and that's what Thursday night's session meeting is about. It's not about how we're going to pay for the bricks and mortar of it, though we will have to consider that. I'd hand that to committee myself. What session need to do on Thursday night is to start to imagine, what are these halls for? How do these halls begin to make a difference in the peace and prosperity of the community around about here? We need to be imagining not how we're comfortable and how it's been. Here we are and all the other churches are closing, but we have a reasonably full church. We'd probably be more full if we had a warmer church and various other things. But here we are and we can get complacent in that. And we can think that what we're doing here is great because it worked for us 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 40 years ago. We need to begin to imagine in 2015, what does pastoral care look like? What does mission look like in 2015? What does worship look like in 2015? We need to get out of the constraints and the restrictions of how it is into imagining where God wants to take us by his spirit and of where it will be. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And we believe in Fitzroy that women are included in that also. And unless we're dreaming dreams and seeing visions, there is something wrong with how we are reading this scripture. Because Francis read from the first chapter of the Bible and one of the last chapters of the Bible. And from beginning to end, the two things that we're doing are dreaming dreams and imagining things coming into being. Imagination, the most powerful force ever made available to humankind, Fitzroy We need to unleash it in our community so that we will be a potent force in our city to change the way it is into the way it can be. No imagination, no grace. No imagination, no hope. Because in order to imagine what it's like to be forgiven yourself, you've got to think, what does that do to changing my life? Do you want to be healed, Jesus said? And what he was saying to that man at that moment in time was, I want you to imagine what it's going to be like if I heal you, because everything's going to change. We need to be those who are about kindling and exercising our imaginations. I've been telling the story over the Four Corners Festival of how when I decided I wanted to run from the place I was two or three years ago, I needed to start exercising the muscles of my legs to be able to run. If we are going to be the community for God in the center of this city in 2015 and beyond, and if we are going to still be here in 2025 and 2035, we need to be exercising the muscles of our imaginations because as soon as they go couch potato, we are finished so what art what plays what films what music what ways are we exercising the muscles of our imagination so that we're available to God to do what God wants to do not in the 90s or the 80s or the 70s or the last century but what God wants to do in the 21st century, in the next decade, and the decade to come. Imagination, the most powerful force ever made available to humankind, is ours by the Spirit of God. Let us be exercised well enough to be able to use it 
for him and his glory. Let's pray. Our God, we could look at last night's sky and just enjoy it. Take a photograph of it and put it in Facebook. Or we could ponder what was behind it in the imagination of a creator God who came up with the colors and the day and the night and that moment between night and day and day and night and how light can change everything in the ambience around us. We come and we worship an imaginative God. And we come and worship a God who tells us that we will dream dreams and see visions. Lord, we pray that you would give us imagination. Exercise the muscles of our imagination that we might be available for what you are wanting to do now and tomorrow and into the future here in Fitzroy and across this city. As we find ourselves with new halls to have kitchens in and to have a cafe area and a welcome area in, we pray, Lord, that you would in these next months help us to imagine how we can use these halls for the Roma community, for the Lower Ormo community, for the Holy Lands community, for the Queen's University community, the Botanic Avenue community. How can we use these halls to take off our restraints and be your witness in this place. And beyond that tomorrow as we go into work. Or as we go and live on our street. Or as we go into cafes or restaurants or shops. We pray you would help us to imagine what it might be like to talk to the stranger. To welcome the Syrian refugee. To make our impression in this city for you. To be thinking alternatively than how it is. And to how your kingdom can make it be. Oh Lord. Waking us up to the importance of imagination. May we begin to use it powerfully to unleash something different and more Christ-like in the world that we live in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.